This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey everybody, Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio. I am so darn excited to bring you this episode on... Let me see, what do we call this? How to deal with EV fires, or did you know that actual EVs can start on fire, including hybrids? And I reached out to my great friend, let's bring up my panel here, Donnie Hudson from Troy Auto Care. Hello, Donnie. Hello, Carm. See, Donnie is the district chief of the Troy Fire Department, but also I think many of you know him as the 2022 Napa Shop of the Year. And you probably know that he's the president of the BDG out there in Detroit. He's in business with his uh, brother, Frank, wife, Christy. They own three Napa auto care centers. And I don't know how many tow trucks, but this is the reason he's here. Because no doubt when those team goes out and does any kind of towing for AAA, sometimes you have to be very aware of what's going on with that EV, if you're towing an EV. And because of the fact that Donnie was district chief of the Troy Fire Department, he says, Carm, you got to have Pat on with me. And also with us is Patrick Durham, the captain of the Troy Fire Department and a mechanical engineer and also stashed training. A wonderful YouTube channel for firemen on uh, how to manage and deal with EV fires. Hello, Patrick. Hello. Since its relaunch in 2020, the Napa Auto Care member site has continued to evolve to keep members updated on all the Napa programs, promotions, benefits, and other information available to help their businesses thrive. If you're a Napa Auto Care member, visit member.napaautocare.com to access the member portal. Not a Napa Auto Care Center? Well, contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store to learn more about how to join the Napa family. Please remember, we're looking to understand what happens when we have an EV client come in? Do we store the car overnight as an independent shop? What do we talk to our customers about? What knowledge do we need to have to explain to our customers how they need to respect and treat their EV vehicle? What about the people who work for us? Are we getting the kind of EV training? And I know that may be often a different type of zone here. And we've done episodes on EVs from a mechanical safety perspective. But this is about fires because Patrick and... Donnie, they get that whole fire thing. I heard this wild story about Europe, Patrick, and I'm not sure if it was you or someone else that told me. They built this big tank and they would bring a crane and they would lift this car and they would put it in the tank in order to stop the fire, submerge. Yeah, so that is one of the methods that uh, is out there. It's, it seems like it's fairly popular in Europe. I'm not seeing too many people doing that in the U.S. right now. Does it contain the fire? Absolutely. But the way these batteries burn, it, it can also cause additional issues once you take the, the vehicle out of that water. Like what? So as you start getting corrosion inside the battery, you can start having shorts inside that battery and that could cause additional fires later on. So you take it out, it's sitting there, it's drying out, and eventually it may catch fire. Okay. I kind of go the original Chevy uh, Bolt. Back in 2011, they were doing some crash testing with that vehicle, and it uh, it was May of 2011. They pulled it out. They set it aside. It sat at the salvage yard for about a month, and then in June, it caught fire, and that was because of corrosion in the battery terminals themselves. If you look at what happened down in uh, Hurricane Ian, I think they had about 20 or 25 vehicle fires after the floodwaters ripped <laughs> down there. Flooding these vehicles out, not necessarily a great option. On top of that, now you've got this tank full of water. What do you do with that water? I can't imagine you just dump it down the storm sewers. You know, you probably want some type of environmental cleanup company coming in and um, taking care of the water. 
So to answer your question in short, Carm, there is no way of putting those out safely. Like our policies in, in Troy is we let it burn itself out. So you're really destroying the car. Correct. Do we know that this is a chemical reaction that it really doesn't require oxygen? Am I right, guys? That's correct. If you go to, we'll say, some of the original Teslas, this is a battery cell right here from one of the original Teslas. And you've got thousands of these battery cells inside the vehicle. They're all packaged together. They start off, you've got about 400, 500 batteries in a module. And then you've got 16 to 20 modules inside that vehicle. And what happens is one of these battery cells fails, it goes into a thermal runaway. And when this cell fails, it's a chemical reaction. It's exothermic, which means it gives off a tremendous amount of heat, about 1,200 degrees Fahrenheit. When this fails, it's heating up the cells around them. Those are thermally damaged. They go into thermal runaway. And it's just this cascading effect that goes from cell to cell to cell. Some of the newer battery packs, you've got a lot of different strategies. Some are no longer the modules. You have multiple cells all stacked together inside one box. You've got other battery cells. The pouch style cells, I've got one here. It's a lot bigger. Now, this one is for energy storage, not necessarily an EV, but it's a very similar construction. It's just a lot larger. But they all can have this type of uh, chemical reaction, this type of failure. So Patrick was telling me, Donnie, that EVs should be really towed on a flatbed. That is correct. That's the only way we will tow those because the motors will continue to spin. And matter of fact, there's a, there's a, a nomenclature out there for people towing their own vehicles. That transportation mode or transport mode means that you can hook it up in, behind an RV and tow it. That's not the case. That's only to be loaded onto a flatbed and towed and then dropped. They have lockout sensors now that'll start locking the wheels up if it detects it starts going at a rate of speed with the engine shut off or with not in drive mode. So yes, the only way we will touch one of those is on flatbed. We won't even dolly them. We'll stri strictly put them on a flatbed. And Patrick was also mesmerizing me. We had we had an icebreaker call and I figured, you know, Patrick just kind of, he laid so much stuff on me and he says, oh, I know, he's amazing. I'm thinking here, if there's damage to the battery in an EV crash and you notice it, he said, wherever that vehicle is going, have a fire truck follow you there. Let's get together with our local fire departments as shop owners around America and say, what kind of training are you having? Can you come in and talk to us? We'd like to tell you what we're learning. And Patrick, Donnie, are you finding that the education is at a breakneck speed right now? No. Matter of fact, the only education that I know is through Pat. And it's because Pat has taken this under his wing and he made this his priority. He realized there is no training out there for firefighters or first responders as such as my towing company. And he says, we need to produce something. And Pat has vast knowledge in the EV side of that. And he just brought it to, to fruition. But he needs these other departments and towers and shops get on board with this type of training because it is, I mean, EVs are here to stay. They're not going anywhere. They're going to get more and more popular and they're going to be more and more of them on the road. And we're going to have to deal with them more and more. And so your technicians are going to be, as you know, we're, we're gearing into heavy duty training now on the EVs. Uh, we're getting a lot ready to launch some courses through Napa and it's here to stay, my friends, and we got to jump on board. So we need to stay ahead of it. We need to keep our team safe and we need to keep our facility safe. Uh, you know, I'm still nervous while storing an EV car and over the shop over at night. Even if it's just in here for maintenance, I just have that gnaw on me, just not to leave it inside the bay. Even though know, it's, it's safe, I'm just not over that comfortability part yet. Donnie just made me think about insurance. And what will your general insurance agent, who maybe will come in, Donnie, and say, hey, let's go over 
Let's walk around. Let's see what's going on. Will they ever ask you, are you working on EVs? And all of a sudden, your policy goes up 50%? So actually, this year, when we were doing our renewal, mine's a little bit different because I have the towing still involved. But when we were doing our shop insurance, that was one of the questions. Do we work on EVs, one, and do we store them overnight, two? And I said, we're just starting some maintenance on EVs, but I do not store them inside overnight. So there was not a substantial increase in premium yet. But my insurance adjuster said, and it's unfortunate, but I might as well lay the cards on the table with everybody who is working on them, is there is going to be a surcharge for EVs and the insurance side of it. Well, Patrick, you're the expert. You're telling everybody that's in the fire, firematic side of the industry, but you're probably also whispering in shop owners' ears, telling them the same thing. Yeah. So I think generally speaking, an electric vehicle hasn't been damaged, hasn't been any type of crash. They should be relatively safe and there shouldn't be a lot of concern involving, you know, the risk of fire or anything regarding basically anything catastrophic happening. My opinion, the risk really increases once that vehicle has been in some type of crash. So that would probably be looking more towards like your body shops or obviously the tow companies when, wherever you're storing those vehicles after they've been in some type of uh, accident. So Donnie, even if a customer comes in with a Tesla, no signs of crash, you pro- maybe that's one of the greatest things to ask a client that's coming in every single time. I just wrote that down when he was talking about that. Yeah, because we don't ask that. So hi, Mrs. Smith. Uh, how's your Tesla? Great. Any accidents of late? It's kind of like when you go for healthcare. Can I see your card? Can I see your card? Can I see your card? They're always trying to find out what's new with you just in case, right? You're right. Yep. Absolutely. That's a good question. I wrote that down. It's a huge takeaway. And if there wasn't any, they told you the honest truth, you would still not keep that Tesla in overnight? I know. I know. I'm just not comfortable doing that yet. I get it. Well, what's your recommendation, Patrick? Again, if the vehicle hasn't been in any type of incident, any type of crash, I think it would be safe. I don't see why it wouldn't be especially if you're not charging it in there. Once you start charging it inside a bay, especially if it's having some type of electrical issue, charging, the risk increases with charging. I will say there's another area that I've been seeing some videos, seeing some conversation about that has me a bit concerned is aftermarket batteries for these vehicles or vehicles that have had the battery removed, had some type of work done, third-party work done inside the battery. I think that ups the risk as well when you start looking at electric vehicles. The idea of an aftermarket battery going into an electric vehicle really, I mean, that really kind of scares me. I'm shaking my head here. It's a can of worms, Donnie. He just opened. So on the roadside service of it, so yes, you know, we have our, you know, our 30 trucks, our, our tow trucks, and then we also have 17 light service vehicles that do just that. They test the vehicles, and if the battery's bad, they'll install them on the roadside. And we are not touching EVs as of right now. It just... Call for a tow truck. We will not send a truck out there. You can't put an EV battery in an EV car. They're thousands of pounds. Right, right. But they're still, like they have backup batteries. Okay, and- okay. All right, I understand. Those, but I still won't even touch them. You won't even touch them either, like on a hybrid with a 12 volt. Correct, right. A hybrid, yes, but not full EV. Okay, interesting. You are minimizing every ounce of risk that you possibly have. The liability, really. Correct. So the OE batteries, we know that they're sealed against water. And what else? I mean, is it against oxygen too, Patrick? I mean, they don't need oxygen to start. So it's it's a sealed unit. Yeah. So the the battery under the vehicle, you're looking really 
1,000, 1,500 pounds, somewhere in that range for most vehicles. You've got the extremes like the uh, electric Hummer that's a 2,500-pound battery, very heavy. But these battery packs are very structural. They're all a little bit different in design depending on which manufacturer is making them, but they are generally sealed. They're watertight. Boxers are designed to be fireproof because they want to keep that, if there is a failure inside, they want to keep that fire inside the box. Some of the new requirements they're looking at right now is if there's a fire inside that battery box, the occupants need at least five minutes of warning so they have time to, to get out of that vehicle prior to the fire getting outside of the box or any signs of smoke, for example. So they should have some type of warning systems, but they do have a breather valve, so to say. So changes in at atmospheric pressure that allows the battery to kind of breathe but stay watertight. They have deflagration vents. So if there's some type of pressure release inside the battery that can actually be vented out of the battery to keep the exhaust gases going in a safe direction. But again, they're all designed a little bit differently right now. So I love what you just said about, if you will, a warning system. And Donnie, it goes back to what we need to teach our technicians to watch and listen for. If by any chance it started to gurgle or smoke, is that something, Patrick, that we would be able to hear? Very likely. If you're starting to hear gurgling or starting to see smoke, very likely you're going to have a failure quickly. It's going to be very energetic. Don't necessarily have a lot of warning as of now. So I would be afraid to get into that passenger seat, turn that switch on, put it in reverse, get it out of the building. Is there any way you can push it? So what I'm teaching, at least on the fire department side, if you've got a vehicle that's on fire, electric vehicle that's on fire inside a garage, for example, or next to a house or next to any type of exposure is to hook up, you know, get the tow company on the way, hook up with tow truck, get it ripped out of there. Like for us, we've got a, a winch on a rescue, or if you got a winch on a brush truck, hook onto that and pull it out of the vehicle or pull it out of the, uh, away from the exposure out of the garage. I did actually, through one of my videos, I saw a comment from a tow operator that was called by a fire department, and they actually sent that tow operator up to hook up to this vehicle that's on fire in a garage, no PPE, no protective gear at all to get that out of the garage. And that was just absolutely insane to me, you know, not a very good situation. So if you have any tow operators that are in that situation, have the firefighters hook that vehicle up. Um, we've got the gear to handle it. You want to stay away from those vehicles if they're on fire. There's a lot of toxic smoke, a lot of toxic gas. It could be given off. You don't want to be breathing that crap in. It's Carm here talking to you about what the Napa Auto Care Center program can do for your business. You probably already know the Napa brand is the most recognized and trusted name in the automotive aftermarket industry. In fact, studies show that nearly 95% of consumers recognize Napa and associate it with quality parts, service, and technical expertise. So why not complete a pro-image upgrade and take advantage of that? Pro-image is a co-branding program for the exterior and interior of your shop. On the outside, it includes the Napa colors and distinctive Napa signage. While the public may know you as a reliable locally owned business, a pro-image upgrade helps set your shop apart from the competition even further. It's also a visual signal to customers and potential customers that you and Napa are partners. Most importantly, pro-image really works. This co-branding opportunity has helped Napa Auto Care Centers across the country increase their car counts and sales. In fact, those that have completed a pro-image project enjoy an average 23% sales increase during the first year. Pro-image upgrades are also available for the interior of your shop. A pro-image interior upgrade transforms your customer waiting area from merely utilitarian to warm and welcoming. The goal is to maintain your shop's independent identity while enhancing the customer's experience. 
You can get a free look at what a pro image exterior or interior upgrade could look like by visiting the NAPA Auto Care members site and clicking on the pro image link under the NAPA Pro Image tab. Or contact your local NAPA Auto Parts store. Your servicing NAPA store can tell you more about pro image, plus the hundreds of other reasons to become part of the NAPA Auto Care family, the largest network of independent automotive repair shops in the country. Hey, Donnie, I had this wild idea. We take that vehicle, that that's in the bays, we lift it up a little bit and we set it down on these four-wheel dollies while it is in there. And it it's only gets risen up, say, a couple of inches. And while it's in the bays, it's a just-in-case precautionary thing where you don't have to worry about being able to push or pull or tow or winch out. You just... Whew, and it shoves it out the door because it's already on wheels. If you will, it would be like be like having a hook and the right gloves and all the safety equipment. Part of the safety equipment is quick exit and that you would set that vehicle down on dollies, little mini dollies. Yeah, they absolutely. We have several sets of those. But yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea. But you have them, but you never thought of making a protocol protocol on an EV, right? Yeah. Wow. So tell again, guys, both of you. Are the fire companies that are out there that are getting this education saying, oh, my God, my pumper just doesn't have enough water on it if we had to go out on our own? So absolutely don't have enough water. We carry, it depends on the department, but we carry about a thousand gallons on our first due engine, 500 gallons in our ladder trucks that follow behind. And if you look at the case studies out, of there, out there, a lot of these departments are using 20, 30, 40,000 gallons of water. And the end result's the same. That vehicle, it's burning through the entire battery. It's just taking a lot longer to do that. So you're trying to drown it. Correct. Essentially, yeah. But it's not really working the no, way they think it's working. working. And, it, and a lot of that goes back to a basic misunderstanding of what is actually going on inside that battery box. So have you ever seen a battery drenched in water and it still keeps burning? So there are some instances where they show the vehicles being submerged in those submersion tanks and they're still burning underwater. I actually have a video from some NASA testing that was done. It wasn't water. Put these batteries in a vacuum chamber, suck all the air out. There's no atmosphere inside of that chamber. And that thing still failed very energetically, a lot of fire as it was burning. It's like a rocket engine. I mean, two chemicals, right? Yeah, I really equate it to a firework. You take this right here. If this was a firework, you light the fuse and tell somebody, hey, put that out as soon as the fuse goes inside there and explodes. It's not going to happen because this right here, when it does fail... It's failing very quickly. It's tenths of seconds. A few seconds in this cell is burned through most, if not all, of its energy. And then it's on to the next one. Wow. I sit here with my mind going racing, Patrick. Like, no doubt that's how you are trying to build your great company's stash training to help firefighters with uh, respecting and understanding EV and, and how to put them out. Donnie, what's the district of Troy doing to make sure all the firefighters are equipped? Well, actually, you know, like Pat said, having our, when we roll up to a scene and if it is involving an EV, we make sure that we all have our PPE on fully. We're on SCBA, so we're breathing air. And right now our protocol is to, if it's not impinging or it's not hurting a structure or an exposure is exactly yank it out of the way and continue fighting that fire how we normally would. On the EV side of it, I mean, unless anything has changed recently, I know there was, and I was going to ask Pat about this. I heard Shelby Township was trying out these blankets. Have you any word on that, Pat? Or have you seen that or know anything about the fire blankets that's supposed to, for these EV cars? And yeah. they have 
So I, I do know Shelby's Bottom. They are out in the market pretty they seem fairly popular for people to purchase. But again, because these batteries don't require oxygen to, from the external atmosphere to burn, the blanket's not really doing anything. It's not going to put out the fire. Now, it could be useful for protecting exposures. Let's say you do have, maybe you do have a vehicle that's deep inside a shop and it catches on fire for whatever reason. You can cover that vehicle up and at least protect the things around it from hopefully not catching on fire. Keep that heat kind of baked inside. But one of the issues with it is these batteries don't, when they fail, they also give off hydrogen, a very flammable gas. And yeah. you, now you have this buildup of hydrogen. Underneath the very explosive I was, gas. I was, yeah, we're the not buying blanket. them. I know that. I know we're not getting involved with those. But right now, yeah. if it's on the roadway, it would either three times. Well, how long? So, Pat, if we had one burn on the freeway, what we just let it burn out. If we started applying water for it, you're talking something that's going to burn out three to four hours. And now we're going to add six to eight hours to if we start well, applying water it, on it. Yeah, if you just let it burn, they say anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. If you start applying water to it, it could be up three, four, six hours. The times are all over the map. A lot of it depends, I think, on the vehicle construction, the, the actual battery that's burning, what happened to it. So there's a lot of different factors that kind of play into that. Well, that is fascinating that if you let it burn out, it may not burn as long as if you just threw water on it. Why is that? Because you're kind of slowing down that uh, cascading thermal runway effect from cell to cell to cell. You're cooling it just enough to where it's not allowing those cells to fail instantly from one to the next. You're not getting other initiation points elsewhere in the vehicle as well, elsewhere in that battery pack. So we better just to let it ignite and continue taking the packs out and let it burn. Pat, maybe it was you telling me about uh, some kind of uh, nozzles that maybe could break through that battery case and then just flood it with water. Is that a thought or possibility? So there are a couple of companies selling uh, devices like that. Like, um, a, pierce, like, the, a, pierce, like pierce. a piercing nozzle. But the biggest concern I have with that is if you look at, so each one of these electric vehicles, they publish an emergency response guide for those vehicles. And I believe every single emergency response guide out there says, do not pierce, puncture, or try to gain access to the inside of a battery. So once you start using items like that, you're opening yourself up to more risk. But also, it depends on a lot on how these batteries are manufactured, because now you've got, you've got sealed units, sealed modules, potentially. If you've got a fire over here and you puncture it over here, you could be opening yourself up to a larger issue. There's cross-car structural members inside of those batteries. So if you're hitting one of those structural members, members, you probably won't be able to pierce it at all. So there's a lot of different factors at play. If you look at the Tesla Model Y, for example, that entire battery pack, they put all the battery cells in there, then they fill the entire inside of that battery box with polyurethane foam, very similar to the spray foam you buy for like your windows and doors at the big box store. So now you've got this very tightly packed sealed unit. There's no air gaps at all. So if you puncture into that, there's nowhere for the water even to go. Wow. would be like insulation foam that we would use, right? Same thing. The evolution of technology, we have this. Here's the state of world as it is today. Patrick, have you heard, or Donnie, that maybe in 10 years, the battery fires won't be as big of a deal because technology, equipment, chemicals, you know, maybe they'll even design their own internal, like the hood of a restaurant that the foam things and, you know, gas comes down and put, do you ever think that we will minimize the fire risk in EVs in the future? I have not heard, Pat. Are they developing? Or are they looking to stuff like that? I think a lot of that goes into battery chemistries. And I know there are different chemistries out there that don't fail as energetically. 
they do claim there are some chemistries out there that don't fail at all. Unfortunately, they don't have the energy density. They, they're too expensive, they're too heavy, and they haven't quite worked their way into the vehicles yet. When they do have a breakthrough on the battery chemistry itself, we're probably five, 10 years down the road. But you got to think at that point, we're going to have a lot of legacy vehicles on the road that we're going to have to work through and, and it'll be around. I keep thinking about Donnie having car care meetings with our customers and we bring them in and one of them would be an EV clinic. And as we prepare ourselves to make sure that we're our customers know that we can service these vehicles. And one of the things that we talk to them about is the fact if you're in a crash. So the question to Patrick, I think, is T-bone, front, back. We need to tell our customers, look it, if you have an accident, unfortunately, I, I hope it never happens, but if it does, you got to get yourself, uh, just don't sit there, open the glove compartment, collect your thoughts, look for your registry, just get, is that the proper advice we could give, Patrick? I mean, that's the advice I would give. Now, remember, these battery boxes, they're very structural with the vehicle. They're designed for the, the side impact, the side pull impact, the front rear impact, large impacts underneath. So the manufacturers are designing for these types of situations, these types of crashes. And the criteria is a little bit different from OEM to OEM, but a lot of them I'd say are 35, 40 miles an hour, kind of that crash speed. Once you start getting above that, that's where you're going to have issues or sure, more sure issues. Hey, Pat, you know, I was just thinking, Carm, that you just gave me a great idea. So when Christy does her female shop every year, she does it usually in October. Pat, I think, and I have a, one of my very good customers, Detroit firefighter, he just bought a Tesla. I think we should have that inside the hoist and have it inside there. And absolutely, because I know, you know, I'm sure that our group of women that through the high schools that, that go to Christy's shop every year for basic, as we call it, Auto 101, every year we post, I'm sure that Maybe, Pat, maybe I'll have you come join us and just maybe answer a couple okay. of safety people, safety things. So uh, absolutely. that's a good call, Carm. I think we're going to do that. Yeah, and EV safety, if not not a course as much as is just drop this knowledge on people and let them be aware. What about road de debris, Patrick? There's crap everywhere on the roads. If we hear that blah, blah, clunk underneath the car, should we be worried? Generally, I'd say the newer vehicles are designing for that type of impact. You definitely want to inspect it. Make sure there's no right. large dents or any visible damage to the underside of the vehicle. That's a problem Tesla had a lot of issues with back in 2013. They had a lot of thermal runaways due to road debris. And that could be something instantaneous. Let's say somebody runs over a, a 4 by 4 and it penetrates the battery box. It does a lot of damage. You're going to have a fire right away. But, you know, you run over something like large animal, you get that big impact under there, lots of vibration from just driving the vehicle. You could have a fire a week later, a month later. You just don't really know with those vehicles. But like I said, a lot of those issues have been, been solved. They're putting shields underneath to kind of protect the battery enclosure. They've got design criteria for that underside impact. A lot of uh, work is going into protecting those battery cells. So another thought, Donnie, thank God you're here because I just keep trying to get inside of your mind. Digital vehicle inspections, a completely different design for an EV so that we are looking for these kinds of issues that have to do with the battery while it's up on the lift. That's absolutely correct. So they don't have a DVI specifically for EVs yet. But you can create your own. Absolutely what we do. And we photograph everything. We shoot videos and we chat. One of the things is the battery component and the EV components of that is all documented and pictured just for a couple of reasons. One is if there is a dent or anything like that, we'll immediately notify the customer, get back to the dealership, make sure nothing's been compromised in any way. 
More than that, though, is if for the safety for the customer, but it was noted, it was documented. So we didn't do it. It's been, it was documented. We told them about it. We made them a notification, but we document all that. We video and take pictures. Well, we did every car, but EV, we really go over the fine tooth comb because there's anything at all that looks out of place or any dents or anything like that. Anything that could be compromised, we always err on the safe side of safety and make sure that's addressed. So let's ask expert Patrick. What should we be looking at while we're inspecting electric vehicle on our lift, besides the battery componentry? And the, the biggest thing would be the battery itself. Like I mentioned before, any large dents, any cracks, anything that shows you've got some type of penetration into the battery box. Corrosion would be another thing you'd look for. Wires. Depending on where you're at, the wires, absolutely the connections. Make sure you don't have any type of corrosion, those high voltage connectors in the battery box itself, the fasteners, if there's any fasteners there, any signs of leakage, water intrusion of the battery, if you can see it. Same with electric motors. You want to make sure the electric motors look like they're in decent shape as well. All the wires, connections, that type of thing. Amazing. Salt, guys, I guess that's it. That's the killer. The hurricane in Florida, apparently, as these vehicles were submerged. Patrick, you may have brought this up in one of your videos, or maybe you mentioned it earlier in the show. Just can sit there and, and a month later, starts on fire. Right. Yeah, that's delayed fire is concerned with electric vehicles. You get that damage to it, to the vehicle, and then you have that fire. You know, you're just not sure when. It could be a week later. It could be a month later. But delayed fire is definitely a concern. So if a shop owner has a, an EV, it had a fire, it's, it's out in the lot, don't bring it back in because of the, again, secondary and tertiary opportunity to, to start again. I mean, I've seen that in a couple of videos. Yeah, the recommendation is to take that vehicle if it has damage to it or you suspect there's damage to it and keep it at least 50 feet away from anything else. I've talked to some companies that they're actually installing the large concrete blocks to basically make a stall for the electric vehicle. Very similar to like at a landscape shop where they've got those concrete blocks, they got the stalls with mulch piled in between, something like that. That way you can save on space in your lot because I know space is a premium. Interesting, Donnie, an EV stall. Yeah, I actually have seen one of those dealership repair center. They do a lot of Tesla stuff and they actually have one built out just what you're talking about, like a salt bank, you know, how they have in, in Oakland County specifically for that. If they get one that's towed in or damaged or anything, they'll keep it there and they'll let it sit before they pull it inside. But one of the other things that we have in Michigan, and I don't know how New York is, Carm, but we use road salt on our roads. So wintertime, they salt the roads and we use sodium chloride as well. And that just attracts, I mean, road corrosion is incredible. Just in my tow trucks, what, the, what that does to the wiring use, that is not high voltage, but what it does every year. I mean, it just, that's another concern. So we will go through that as well on a DVI and we'll inspect all the cables and, and connections like Pat said, and make sure that nothing's green or corroded or starting to corrode. I have uh, white garage floors in the winter. Yes, Donnie. Okay. I don't know if it was a sand state or if it was salt. We have salt mines all over New York State, so they just know how to use this stuff out here. Look at, guys, is this smart business or is this just over-the-top stuff and we're just trying to be overcautious? I think it's great knowledge. I mean, like you said, like your famous words are, if you learn one thing. So I hope your listeners pick one thing up. But no, EVs are here to stay. The threats are real. The cars, they're real. They're out there. And, and I'm, you know, I'm fortunate we have Pat on our department. And he's a very good friend of mine to help get this word out to other fire departments. Other, I'm actually going to have him come in to our BDG group and do a small basic class for them. But I'm also going to have him do 
a little bit high intensity for my drivers who are on the roadside with these. Because like I said, we do tow for Tesla and we will get them in a crash occasionally. And I think learning more and more about them because the fact is they're here and they're not going anywhere. Patrick, the question, same question to you, is this smart business or just over the top? We're just trying to be over, over cautious. Well, I, I think you have to know the risks involved with these types of vehicles. The average owner may never have a, an issue with an EV, but when you look at fire departments, for example, we respond to house fires, we respond to vehicle fires, we respond to crashes, extrications on a weekly basis, and that's not something the average person responds to. When you start looking at, a, at auto shop, you're getting vehicles in, tow, or, uh, when you're towing vehicles, you're getting vehicles in that are damaged. So once you have a vehicle that's damaged, You've got to do repairs on it. Uh, you've got to get it off the roadway. Something has happened that's outside the design criteria for that vehicle. And you've got to understand the risks involved at that point. Guys, you kind of helped me sum this up, Patrick, by what you just said. And what he said, and Donnie, you know this just as well, that you've seen parts of life that many of us have never, ever seen. And you're going to be overcautious for the sake of us being very, very careful in these stories that get told over and over again. Donnie, I remember you telling us one about you getting crashed on and your son didn't know you were in the building. I mean, this is real life situations. And we have to be careful of EV fires, and the dangers. I mean, it goes back to being sure we understand high voltage and we're safe enough to go in and we've got the hook and the gloves and all the proper PPE. I said, is this business or just over the top? And the reality is Patrick and Donnie bring the reality of life and what they've seen in the firematic industry. I mean, you guys have seen more than you could write books on. And we have to pay attention to what you know, what you guys are seeing and the education, Patrick. I mean, I think you could be traveling. The, the, you could never be home for months at a time but taking a course like this out to our industry because the consumer could watch a video of yours, but we need to see and hear you verbatim. I mean, we need to be subscribing to your channel and listening, and you need to put out EV battery risk training for service professionals. And there's probably only a million of them out there that need to get your training. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, just on the fire side. It's kept me very busy in the last couple of years. So. so let's let me go around the room. I'll give you a last word. If there's anything that you'd love to, a point you'd love to make, uh, Donnie, I'll go to you and then Patrick next. Last word, Donnie. Don't be scared electric vehicles, but just handle them in a safe manner and always be thinking, what if? And that's just how I adapt to working on and servicing them. Great, man. Thank you so much. Patrick, you can sum it up for us. You know, I really want to echo what Donnie just said. There's a lot of people out there that think I'm anti-EV. They think I'm uh, trying to, to fear monger the, the space. But the reality is these types of incidents can happen. And when you start getting damage to the vehicles, you know, like I said before, that elevates that risk. So being prepared, knowing the risks, that's what's really important. And knowing how to deal with those risks if they happen. You know, if you do have a fire, what to do, what not to do. That's what's really important. Wow. Excellent. Stashed training, S-T-A-C-H-E-D training. We will put a link to his YouTube channel in our show notes so you can look at the training that he is doing, the, the videos that he's putting out for firefighters. And I, there's so much that we can all learn from it ourselves. So thank you what you're doing, Patrick. Donnie, thank you so much for introducing me to Patrick and for convincing him to come on and, and talk to our industry about this. This was great. Patrick Durham, also captain of the Troy Fire Department and mechanical engineer, and Donnie Hudson, Troy Auto Care, district chief for the Troy Fire Department. Guys, thank you so much for this. Appreciate it.
Thanks, Carm. We appreciate oh, it. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Always love being on. Thank you, man. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.